The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. I tell you, this verse has challenged me. And uh, I, I believe if we can get a hold of it as a church family, uh, it will really set a precedent for what we are all about. And this morning, as we just kind of got our, our toes wet a little bit looking at this uh, passage of Scripture, I'd like us uh, this evening to uh, look at the remaining phrases. And then next Sunday morning, if you have your insert, you're going to see the last point has like 10 subpoints. Well, that will be our Sunday morning message. If you want a head start, go ahead and figure out what the blanks are, all right? Um, for the rest of us tonight, we're going to try to fill in uh, the last three. Uh, maybe we'll get into the fourth just a little bit. But I, I really believe that the continuity will help us. Also, we've got the children's workers here tonight, and I'd, I'd like them to be a part of what we're learning together because I think as a church, when we understand this concept, this truth, it's going to immensely help us in trying to describe what Crown Point Baptist Church is really all about. So if you wouldn't mind reading all together with me, verse number 21 out loud. It's a wonderful verse, one worthy of even memorizing. Let's try it together. Here we go. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for each one that's here. Uh, use your word through your spirit uh, to encourage us to be your disciples and desiring to glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, next Sunday night, we will get to 1 Thessalonians. But in the meantime, let's just go ahead this evening. Just a quick review. We use the illustration of a door trying to describe the six chapters in Ephesians. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 really are uh, tremendous and helpful in our understanding of our identity in Jesus Christ. We broke the book down to the riches for the first three chapters the responsibility of a believer, chapter 4, 5, 6. We saw the doctrine in the first three. We saw our duty in chapter 4, 5, 6. We saw our wealth versus our walk, and we saw our blessings versus our behavior. And sandwiched in between these is this pivotal verse, this one little verse, verse number 21, that is here so that we might be able to absorb the whole book with the understanding that it's all for the glory of God. It's praise to the praise of His glory. Ephesians 1.6, Ephesians 1.12, Ephesians 1.16. It's repeated there over and over again. This is the desire that Jesus has for each and every one of us and for His church. Now, the Hebrew word is kaboon. I didn't say kaboom. I said kaboon. All right, it's with an N at the end. And uh, that Hebrew word deals with weight or weightiness. When we talk about glory in the Old Testament, we're talking about that which is weighty or it speaks of value. In the Greek, the word is doxa. We get our word doxology. A matter of fact, many have uh, looked at those verses in Ephesians chapter number 1, uh, that one long, long sentence as the great doxology of praise. But glory simply means here an expression of all 
that God is and God does. It's intrinsically who God is. The Bible says in Acts that He is the God of glory. It's His beauty. It's His power. It's His perfection. It's His splendor. His supremacy. His holiness. His majesty. His magnificence. His honor. His glory. It's what it is. And so when we think of God, we have to think of Him just as the angels proclaimed at the birth uh, of uh, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the glory, glory to God in the highest. And this glory is permeating through all, all the Word of God, and especially here in the verse that we're looking at uh, today. So we saw, number one, the person unto Him. The first two words, the person of glory. Glory is not for man. Glory is reserved for God. I am the Lord and that is my name and my glory will I not give to another, Isaiah says in chapter 42, verse uh, number 8. Others have tried to usurp the glory of God from him and have paid dearly. Herod in the New Testament in uh, Acts chapter number 12. And yet we see that God is the one that's worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. He is worthy of glory, and he is desiring that the church would understand that, yes, my riches, my identity is connected to Jesus Christ and his finished work, and so my reaction to that is I want to live to the praise of his glory. All of these marvelous things he accomplished for us in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, through the ministry of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit of God, what's my reaction to all that? I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed here by the goodness of God and the graciousness of God. And, and my heart ought to just leap with the reality that I want to praise His glory. And so when I look at my responsibility in chapter 4, 5, 6, I also connect glory to that which God wants me to do. Why do I want to walk worthy? Why do I want to uh, uh, walk circumspectly, walk in love? Why do I want to have the right kind of family as we get later on into Ephesians? Why do I want to be spirit-filled? Why do I want to be a good warrior uh, of the faith? It's for His glory. See, the glory of God brings it all together. The, 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 the door that we spoke about, the front door uh, this morning, simply being chapter 1, 2, and 3, the back side of the door, 4, 5, and 6, and the hinge is the glory of God. And so the person, that's who we're seeking to glorify, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, unto Him. We saw this morning the priority. The priority is simply He desires glory. And we worked our way through John chapter 17, the great high priestly prayer. Six different times in that prayer, Jesus is referencing his glory, the glory restored, the, the glory that he received from his disciples, uh, the glory that he had with God the Father in the beginning. This is the prayer where Jesus sweat great drops of blood in the garden there just before his crucifixion, just before Judas would come, after the Last Supper. And what's on the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ? Glory. So unto him be glory. 
That is the prime directive. I mentioned this morning that it is truly the main thing. And I, and I, and I, I don't want to quibble here with quotes that are floating out there, but let me just tell you this. Uh, the main thing in the Christian life is the glory of God and everything else is connected to it. If I were to say, uh, what, what happens when you bear fruit or you win souls for the glory of God? According to John chapter 15, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. Everything in our Christian life and existence comes back to this glory of God. And, and we recognize that it really is the main thing. And yes, I want to be that witness, and we're going to get into that Sunday morning. I want to be clean. There's, there's ten areas of, of where we can praise the glory of God through our life, through our living. It, it glorifies God, and you can, again, get a head start in, in studying these. But the priority needs to be the glory of God. Why else would Paul write to the church at Corinth, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that's all-encompassing. Whatever you do in life, do all to the glory of God. I mean, gals there, as you're ministering, or maybe at the job, or, or maybe dealing with your, your children, or, or some grandmas here, or aunts or uncles, listen, let's do it to the glory of God. As you're at your workplace, at your ministering here, at, at Crown Point Baptist Church, in whatever capacity, why are you doing it? If it's not for the glory of God, listen, God's not... Real pleased. It's got to be about him, not about us. So unto him, that gives us the person. Uh, the uh, priority is be, uh, unto him be glory. That's the doxology of praise. That's the prime directive. That's really what, what Paul is pointing the, the, the Ephesian believers to. Uh, that, that we should be to the praise of His glory. What a great verse to memorize, Ephesians 1.12. You say, what am I, what's, my, what's my grand purpose? Everybody's looking for the purpose of the church or the purpose of my Christian life. What in the world is that? Well, Paul made it clear that we should be to the praise of His glory. And everything else is going to flow from that. Just really begin this week saying, God, would you help me live today to the praise of your glory? Would you help me in whatever endeavor I have that it would be to the praise of your glory? Not again about me. It is about you. Well, let's go to the next phrase that we saw this morning in verse number 21. So unto him, that's the person. Be glory, that's the priority. In the church, that's the people. And we had many illustrations that we looked at here uh, concerning that God's desiring and delighting in the worship of His people and as His people are right before God, the glory of God is present. We saw it in the tabernacle this morning in Exodus chapter number 40. We saw it in Solomon's temple in 1 Kings chapter number 8. We saw the glory departed with Samuel and his two sons and how they were doing their best to bring what was nothing more than a, a relic. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And they thought that they would see great victory because they had a, a resemblance here to something that at one time had the glory of God, the cloud of the glory of God hovering over it. But they had long since 
gotten to the place where God's glory was in their presence. And they had a defeat by the Philistines, and so they're going to battle. And, and the thundering and the applause, and everybody's excited. And the, uh, the, the Philistines are quaking in their boots because their thought was, God's in the camp. God's, God's back, you know. It's not just a religious uh, system they're going through, but actually God has shown up. And yet there was a great defeat. 30,000 men were killed, including Hophni, Phinehas. When Eli got the word, he fell over backwards, broke his neck. The Bible says 30,000 were killed that day. And there when Phinehas' wife is giving birth, she's in labor. The baby is born, and she calls it Ichabod simply because the glory has departed. Folks, this morning, God's desiring, this morning, I'm still in this morning, this evening, God is desiring for his people uh, to recognize that we want his presence and we're desiring his glory and we're desiring Crown Point Baptist Church to be nothing more than a way station in life where people can sense the presence of God and they know it. Because they're with the people of God. Here the scripture goes on. And let's go to this new uh, phrase by Christ Jesus. We have the person unto him. We have the priority be glory. We have the people in the church. Now I want you to see the power by Christ Jesus. Folks, do you understand that you and I are incapable of truly glorifying God in our own strength, our own ability? But if there's going to be glory in the church, it's going to be by his power and his power alone. It's by Christ Jesus. Uh, if, if we, in any way, shape, or form, think we can do the work of God in the power of the flesh, we're going to be disappointed. Oh, we might have a semblance of it, but we're going to substitute the real thing for a cheap imitation and here the Bible is clear that uh, the power of, of the Lord Jesus Christ in his church is what allows us to have glory in the church. It comes back to Jesus Christ and his power. Where is that found? Look at verse 20, the very end of the verse, just before we get into verse number 19. What does the scripture say? Above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. How about verse 7? Go up to verse 7 in this chapter. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Now if there is going to be glory in the church, it's got to be by Christ Jesus. It's got to be because he has his preeminent place. People ought never to be confused if they come to a service here what this church is all about. All about Jesus Christ. It's all about exalting Him. It's all about bringing glory to His name. And the power for us to accomplish that is by Jesus Christ. Oh, that the Lord would help us. Philippians 4.13, we know I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And we can even bring glory to God, bring praise of glory to God through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ working in and through this congregation. 
Let's not rely on the flesh. The flesh fails. I remember the illustration of Abraham and Sarah and how they thought the flesh could fix a problem. They wanted a child. And God promised a child. It'd be a miracle child. 90-year-old woman married to a 100-year-old man. Not, not, not great prospects for children. And yet God made the promise. Sarah thought, well, maybe I can help God out. I'm going to go ahead and I've got a scheme And my scheme is, let me go ahead and and, uh, loan to you my handmaid. And let's have a baby through her. Uh, She'll be the surrogate mother. It's a great plan. And of course, Abraham agreed. Sounds good to me. And they did have a son, Ishmael. And even as a young man, as a young teen... Uh, Ishmael here is the pride and joy of Abraham and Sarah. And when God reminded Abraham, listen, this is not the promised seed. I promised that Sarah would have a child. What, what, is, what, what is the heart of uh, Abraham at that point? Oh, not so, Lord. Ishmael. Ishmael's the answer. Listen, the product of the flesh is never the answer. The product of what you and I can contrive is not the answer. It's Christ. It's his power. It's his strength. And so we see in this area of giving God the glory, it is the power to do so comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 21 and see the next phrase. So unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. And then notice this, throughout all ages... This is the perpetuity. That's a big word, I know. But it, it simply means, actually, the, the, word, the Greek word is genia, which we get our English word generations. It's simply just saying that, listen, God's wanting glory in the church throughout all the generations. And just like the first church had the presence of God, and they sought to glorify, glorify God. And they had a taste of God in, in their assembly. That God's desiring that for all generations. And so it's the perpetuity. All through the ages, God has sought the praise of His glory. Past, present, and yea, even into our future. Throughout all ages. That tells you how important this glory is. You know, there's a lot of things that we do in life right now as Christians that won't necessarily be continued on into eternity, but this one thing will. For instance, our opportunity to witness to somebody this week, take some gospel tracts, give out some uh, water there as uh, we have our, our Love Works project on uh, Tuesday morning, 5 o'clock. Uh, I tell you, uh, that's an opportunity for the here and now. You won't do that in heaven. That's not one of these eternal things. It's for the here and now. But being to the praise of his glory, that's something for all generations. And the church, as we're transported from this place to be with him, we will, for all eternity, uh, be praising his Glory, the perpetuity here uh, that's involved with that little phrase throughout all ages. And then look at this world without end, permanence. 
The Greek word is ion. It simply means forever. Forever. So not just the generations, not just this generation and this new generation coming up and the previous generations going all the way back uh, to the church age. No, there's a permanence about this. World without end. That's, that, that simply means, that, that the Greek word there for that phrase is I own, it means forever. It just means that there'll never be a time when God is not desiring for His people to be declaring His glory. To be shouting the praises of His glory. So we have an opportunity in this life to get a, a running head start. We're going to do it for all eternity. And yet, in every facet of our life now, we can be living for the glory of God, the permanence of it. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 14 through 16, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, Now get this, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen. Well, that takes us right back to Exodus 33 with Moses on the mount saying, show me your glory. And God says, I can't. (laughs) Your human body couldn't handle it. You would die. You would not be able in your physical body to see the splendor and wonder and glory of God. But what Paul is doing here with Timothy is Paul is is just saying, listen, what we want to do is we want to elevate God. Uh, He's the one that dwells in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power Everlasting. Amen. The permanence. In the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught the disciples in Matthew chapter number 6, you remember the phrase, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the what? And the glory. Forever. That's the permanence of it. We will never, ever be able to be separated from God's design for us. Why did he create you? He created you for his glory. Why did he create this universe? He created it for his glory. And for all eternity, the permanence of it, we will have the privilege of praising His glory. I say, Pastor, you got through all those verses real quick. I know I did. I had some help this morning, all right? But I I want you to look at the, the little word that we forget so often. And this is going to be the real thrust of the message here tonight, if you'll just get it. What's the last word? Amen. Number seven a personal decision. 
Amen. Amen is a transliteration. Whether it's in the Hebrew, it's amen. If it's uh, in the Greek, it's amen. I mean, here we have amen. What is amen? It is that personal vocalizing of the reality that, yes, Lord, uh, let it be so. When we're preaching and somebody says amen, what they're saying is that they have internalized it personally. They're saying, yes, God, in my life, yes, that, amen. That's what they're saying. They're, they're saying, I'm understanding this in this moment. You, you hear people in the middle of a service, it's okay to do that. Matter of fact, it's biblical. I don't mind amen interruptions. Now, if you start a monologue, I'll have, a, I'll have an issue with that, you know. But if you just want to give an amen once in a while, nothing wrong with that. That's just Bible. That's just the reality of the truth coming home to your heart. And you're saying, so be it, Lord. I'm, I'm agreeing. That's what I want to happen. Amen. Uh, amen in the Scripture, when you see it at the beginning of a phrase... In our Bible, you're going to see the phrase, truly, truly. So in John 3, verse 3, when, or when we say, verily, verily, truly, truly, that's amen, amen. There's a, an expectation here concerning the truth of the, the teaching. When Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, concerning you must be born again, what he's saying, he's saying, this is true. And when you find it at the end of a verse, there, and this is uh, from, uh, I'm not sure which uh, Greek dictionary, but um, the amen at the beginning of a discourse uh, will foretell that a truth is coming. All right? So when you see, uh, and we see that all through the Gospel of John, that repeated over and over again, verily, 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 verily. What he's, he's saying, amen, 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 amen. There's truth coming. There's truth coming. Listen to it. Believe it. But when it's at the end, it's personal. It's saying, yes, Lord, for me. Amen. Yes. So be it, Lord. I want to yield to you in that truth. I struggle with that truth. <laughs> Personally, I don't like that truth. <laughs> you know, that truth goes against my flesh. That truth goes against here what I want to do. But God, amen. I'm agreeing with your word over my own flesh. I am desiring here to cry out amen. By the way, it's also a name for the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. He's the amen. And so what do I have? What does that all mean here on this verse? It means that you and I personally have to come to a place where we understand the person unto him, the uh, purpose or the priority, be glory, that we're involved as the people in the church, that it's by the power of Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus, the perpetuity of it through all generations, throughout all ages, the permanence of it forever. And then what you and I get to do is we get to say, Amen. Can I hear it? Amen. amen. It's now mine. 
I want to live for the glory of God. I want God to be able to hear the praise of the glory of the lips of his people because he's worthy of it. We're going to see ten things on Sunday morning, ten realities, ten truths that will kind of unpackage how do you in a practical way live for the glory of God in, in our everyday life and existence. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.